Do you guys like that song? That's a beautiful song, isn't it? Um, it kind of happens, so happens that Ethan is going to sing that song after, after later on too, and we're going to get a chance to sing it by ourselves without the accompaniment of people who know what they're doing. <laughs> so we've heard it a couple times here already. We're going to hear it another time during this lesson. So especially pay attention to it the second time because you're on the spot for the third time. All right. I, I wanted that song in the lesson because I think it fits well with this week's Fruit of the Spirit, Faithfulness. And it fits well with the Easter theme as well, which, again, I said is, is every Sunday for us and every day for us. We re- remember the resurrection of our Savior that makes everything possible. So when we're talking about faithfulness here, I'll, like I've admitted to you before, each one of these has been challenging for me. And uh, I don't know, have you guys looked ahead and thought about faithfulness since last week? Anybody thought about faithfulness coming up? Okay, a couple people have. Was it, was it challenging at all to you when it comes to faithfulness? It's always challenging. I, I think every single one of these, like I said, has been challenging for me. This one is no different. This one was challenging for me too. Because I think I can see sometimes the love that you have for me. And I can always see when you don't have love for me, or almost always, you know. When we're talking about love, maybe joy, maybe you can see joy better than faithfulness. Maybe you can see peace better than faithfulness in real time, you know. When I'm looking at Jared and she's scowling at me, that might not, there, there might be an indication there's something wrong between us, you know, in real time here. But what about her faithfulness or my faithfulness? I don't see that right off the bat. So, you know, this one's been a little tough for me, too. When, and I, I think when God talks about faithfulness, when he looks at faithfulness, I think he's, he's thinking faithfulness means total commitment here. When I'm asking you for faithfulness, I want all of you. Do you think God's asking for all of you? Is Jesus asking for all of you? When he says, I want you to be faithful to me, he doesn't say, Robert, I want a quarter of you to be faithful to me in the... Other three quarters, you can do whatever you want with. He's saying, I want all of you. Amen. Every single bit of you. What I like about that, too, though, is he's saying, Robert, I want all of you where you are right now. Not where you think you might be, but where you really are. And that differs from where Carl is. That differs from where Bill is. That differs from where Jared is or my wife is. Anybody. We're different places in our faith journey. But God is looking at me saying... I know where you are right now. I know what you're capable of. And I know what you're, you're even, I know what, what's beyond you as well. But I want what I know you can, you can give me. I, I love the fact that God is not saying, you, you, you just can't live up to what I need from you. He's saying, you can live up to what I need from you. I can help you with that. I can get you there. And where your there is right now is going to be different where my there is right now. We're all in a different there's right now. But we're all on that same faith journey, I hope. We're all walking that same direction. And I'm going to say something that I've said many times, and Bill has said, and other people have said up here, is that this faith is not just an intellectual exercise, right? It's not just something that we say, okay, I believe this. But it's something that is deeper than just intellectual exercises. In fact, go over to Mark chapter 9 and look at something that's just a little bit, I think, helps me understand maybe this faithfulness 
in the fruit of the Spirit. Because I can, I can try to make formulas for myself. I can try to, try to dot my I's and cross all my T's. But I am never going to be able to do that well enough on my own to get where I need to be. There is a component of this faith that is, that is beyond me. And will always be beyond me, I think. In Mark 9, there's a father here who comes to Jesus. And it's, let's see, let's go back up to, let's go back up to, to 17 here. As a loud, large crowds are coming to them in verse 14. And in verse 17, one of the crowd answers him and says, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do it. And he answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling about and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And as often as it had thrown him into both fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, would you, I would love to, this is another one of those moments where I'd love to be there and, and hear how that sounded coming out of Jesus' mouth. If you can, I, I don't think I could even do justice. All things are possible to him who believes, he says. Immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe, but what? What, is, what else does he say? Help my unbelief. What a bold statement for that father. I do believe, but I need help. Boy, that, that, that sums me up a lot, of, a lot of times. I do believe, but help my unbelief. Help me fill in these gaps I love the fact that I think God is saying in, in the fruit of the Spirit, and here, you can't even believe enough without my help. I can't believe enough on my own to satisfy what God needs from me. God is going to actually help me in my belief. He's going to help my unbelief. And without that help, you've got a father who says, I do believe, but I'm I'm." Boom, I'm right here. You want me to be here, but I'm right here. I can't be up here right now. But Jesus says, I can take you to here. I can get you there. But I can get you, only I can get you there. You can't get yourself there. I'm going to get you there. What does Romans 10.17 tell? Anybody spout Romans 10.17 or at least, you know, the, the, the spirit of Romans 10.17 from memory? That's all I'm hearing. Okay, okay. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or hearing by the word of Christ, whichever way your, your version does it. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Look at this. We can't believe on our own here enough. We can't even have the faith we need to have on our own. When we talk about the faith that the Spirit is helping us with in, in Galatians 5, that the Spirit is, is, is forming through us and in us, that's not faith that I am forming myself. That's faith I'm, I'm, I'm having generated by the Spirit, by God. He is helping me increase in my faith. 
And why is he help, how is he helping me? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Without his word, I can't believe. Without his word, I don't know what to believe. How do we know what to believe? How do we know who Jesus Christ is? His word. By faith, we hear, we hear this word and we have this faith in Christ, but this faith is a gift. Ultimately, I think all of this faith is a gift from God. This here in verse 17 of Romans 10, I think Paul is saying this, this faith is coming from the word and that word is a gift for you, for you. This is God telling us who he is. This is God communicating to man. This is his, his message to us saying, I love you. Let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you about my son. Let me tell you about who's coming. All of the things that, that build up from the Old Testament to the New. Here he's saying that this is a gift from me. This, this faith that you're going to have, it's going to come from the Word. Some of it's going to come here from the Word. And that Word is my gift to you to help you have the faith that you should have. I get to have that faith, but it's not all me. It's not all you. It's God's Word. Just like in Mark 9, 24. He says, I do believe, but I need help. I need you to help me get to the place that you want me to be. Without that spirit, I can't have this Galatians 5, 22, where he says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things. We don't get to have all of that without the spirit. The spirit is generating that in, that, that in us, is building that in us. This faithfulness that he says there at the end of verse 22. That is a product of God working in us and through us. Like we said before, it's not just that, that intellectual assent to the fact that I believe that Jesus is, is God. Yes. Faith is of the mind. I believe that faith, faith is of the mind. And, and we can intellectually understand these things. But it goes beyond the mind, doesn't it? It goes to the very heart of the matter. The very heart of the matter, the very emotions that we have, and a life that is lived in the Spirit is demonstrated in how we do things, what we do, how we feel, how we act. A life that is lived in the Spirit produces these, has in it produced these things in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. No law against those because they're perfect. Because they're generated from God, by God, to us. That's the kind of life that I am supposed to be living. A life of faith in God and faith that is created by the Spirit and through the Spirit in us says that I believe in God. Says that I believe that Jesus is who He says He is. I believe that the Spirit is who He says He is. No matter what my life looks like. And a lot of times, like you know, for me, that's not always easy. Maybe it's not always easy for you. You get smacked in the face with life's problems and you have those doubts, you have those questions, you have those moments of, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I do have faith. But I need more. And the only way I'm going to get more is to have that faith produced in me and through me by a life that is being led by the Spirit here. That's one of the reasons I, I like that song. It talks about being called out on those waters, right? When I hear that, I'm thinking about my life and, and those times where you're, you're walking out there where you're not sure, that you're, you're scared, things are, things are bad. But who has your hand? Jesus has your hand. Who's walking right next to you? 
Jesus is walking right next to you. Who's there when you say, I do believe, help me. Jesus is right there saying, if I can, you know I can. Let me show you where I can take you. Let me show you where your faith can take you. Like I said, it's not that easy though sometimes. And it reminds me of Numbers 11 through, really 11 through 14. But I think 13 and 14 is is good enough to kind of remind you of the, the kind of eyes that we need to have when it comes to the faith that Galatians is talking about and the faith that can be produced in us and through us by the Spirit. In Gal- or not Galatians, in Numbers uh, 13 and 14, God is saying to the people through Moses, Hey, I've given you a, this land, right? I've given you this land. I love the fact that God speaks in in a in terms of it's done, really. I'm giving you this. I'm going to give you this. This is going to be yours. God is not saying, you might be able to get this if you can do this. He's actually saying, if you do this, it's yours. Because I'm, I'm, I'm leading you, right? I'm God. I'm saying you can have this. So let's go and take it. And they get people together there at the beginning of 13, right? They get all these... Tribes together, they get some people together to go and spy out the land, right? In verse 17, they send them to spy out the land of Canaan there in thirteen seventeen to see what the land's like. But what happens, ladies and gentlemen? Tell me what happens in this story. They come back and what do they say? We can't do it. Can't do it. They're giants. Yeah, they're big. How many out of the 12 say we can't do this thing? Ten. Ten. There's two of them that say, we can do it. And who are those two? Joshua and Caleb. Two of them come back with a good report. Ten of them come back and say, no, we can't do it. And what happens when the ten say that and then the rest of the people hear this? Which way does the popular opinion go? Can't do it. Yeah, why do you bring... Yeah, what, what's up with this? Now we're going to die here. We're going to be beaten by these people. It's so amazing how bad news seems to uh, sometimes at least be easier to believe. It's just like the you know you, you get twenty good comments and you get that one bad comment and you and you and you focus on the one bad comment. It's the negative can just destroy you. Here the people are being destroyed by their big people. We can't take them, even though God has already said through Moses, "Let's go take this land." This is the land I'm going to give you. It's basically already yours. We just got to go in there and take it. But no, they don't. Whose eyes are they looking through? When you talk about faith here, whose, whose eyes are these ten and then the rest of the people looking through? Man's eyes. But two people are standing there saying, no, I can see it through a different pair of eyes here. I can see it through God's eyes. God's already said this is, this is ours. Let's go take it. But no. And that, that, that encapsulates my life sometimes too. I'm standing there looking at things and thinking, I'm looking through my eyes of faith, and they don't reach that level that God's eyes do. I need to remember whose eyes I need to look through here. Not God or my, man's eyes, but God's eyes. It's, it's that Father in Mark 9, 24. I do believe. Help my unbelief. They do look big. But you've already said we could take them. So let's go take them. 
This faith that we have, I think, and is generated from uh, the Spirit here in, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 that Paul is talking about, is not just something that we just get from the Word here. It's a product of God working in us, which is that part that is hard for me to understand. How He works in me and through me. How His Spirit works in me and through me. I know He works through the Word. But He also works through you and me. And and He works us off each other. And He works through events. And He works through all sorts of things in our lives to help get us to the place where He wants us to be in faith. That part sometimes is is a little, little hard for me to nail down. But what I do know is that He's given me this word to, to read, to understand. He's given me you, and he's given you me, and he's given us his spirit. He's given us his son so that we can have that kind of faith that he wants us to have, that faith that pleases him. And when we do, look at Galatians chapter 2. When I have this spirit working in me and this faith being produced, I think in Galatians chapter 2, verses 16, specifically in 20, you could go through a lot more, but I just want to look at just those two really quickly here. 2.16 says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. This is that life that is lived out in the flesh. This is you and I taking that faith that we have and saying, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And living it out in the flesh and walking it out in the flesh I want to run through really quickly, I think I have before, Romans chapter 4, where we see this life lived out in the flesh. Turn over to Romans chapter 4, because that's a good example of a life of faith. Faith in action, this this Abrahamic faith that Paul describes in chapter 4. In fact, I know I have I have gone through this before with you. I think I did a, a specific sermon on on this this section. Okay, so everybody, just go back and look at your notes from <laughs> from that Sunday, and you'll see a faith, a life in action here. I'm going to read through chapter four really quickly here. What shall we say then? Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. For what does Scripture say? And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as a favor, but as what is due. If I could work to my own salvation, that would be it. But I can't. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Is this blessing then upon the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? 
For we say faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it reckoned? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness, of faith, which he had while uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised. The righteousness might, that righteousness might be reckoned to them. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. Here is that Abrahamic faith. Here is the description of it. I'll go through it quickly here. This is that walking faith that he goes on walking as he's, as he's being called out of his land. God calls him out and he's walking in faith that God is going to lead him to something good. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the word was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace, in order that the promise may be certain to all descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. I think there's a, there's a humble faith of Abraham as well described in these, these verses. He's a humble man. As it is written, the father of many nations, have I made you in the sight of him? He believed even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. And there is that incredible faith that I do believe. Help my unbelief. I do believe you're going to give me a son. And, and even though I think they, they tried to force God's hand every once in a while, I do believe, but help me get to where you need me to be. Verse 18, in hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which has been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And there's that hope that is encapsulized in faith, that hope in Christ. He hopes against hope. No matter what the world sees, no matter what I see, I know that you can be faithful to your word. Verse 19, and without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And there is that, I know, I know that these facts, these are real facts. I really am old, or I really am this. But if God says this can happen, then this can happen. Amen. No matter what I see, God can take care of things. Verse 20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. There is that unwavering faith. Ups and downs, yes. I think I think him and his wife had ups and downs. And you see them in, in the account. There's some ups and downs. But overall, God sees Abraham's faith as this unwavering faith that he is holding fast to what God has promised him. Verse 21, And being fully assured that what had been promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, also, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, not only for his sake was it written that it was reckoned to him, but also for our sake, to whom it will be reckoned. As though who, those who believe in him, who raised Jesus from the dead, he who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. You see that faith in Abraham, that faith that it says, I do believe, help my unbelief. It's, it's a similar cry, I think, from Mark 9.24. And it's the same cry from me. 
When I look at the, the list in Galatians 5, I say, I do have faith, Lord, but help my unfaithfulness. Help me get to where you need me to be. Produce in me that faith that I know, that you know I can have. That you know I am capable of through you. And that's us exercising that faith. That's us living that faith out. The source of our faith is who? Who would you say the source of our faith is? Okay, how about, how about, okay. It, Jesus is good too. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is always, Jesus is always the answer, right? <laughs> I feel, I feel bad for saying no, don't, don't say Jesus here. So, how about the source is God. The object of our faith is Jesus. And the facilitator of all these things, the one that is gluing things together for us, that is working in us and on us, Jesus is working, God is working, but he sent that spirit to be there and to work in us and through us. So God being the source, Jesus being the object, that is the one that we look to, that is the man, that is the savior, that is our king that we look to as the source, the object of our faith. He helps us grow, he helps us display the faith, he helps us increase in our faith. The Spirit does all those things as well. And that's who I'm asking you today is, is who is calling. When you hear that, that, that video, who is calling you? And where is He calling you to? Where is your faith? And where is He calling your faith today? I want to watch that video one more time here. Pay attention to the words. And if you can, if you know the words, sing along with this one. And really... Pay attention to those words as, as you ask yourself, where is he calling me today? You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where these may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in ocean's I am yours. 
want to ask you some questions here as I close today. We talk about faithfulness. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to ask you a favor, too. I'd like you to stand. We're going to be standing anyway in a couple seconds since I'm closing the lesson. And it's always a tradition to stand when we sing. So I'm going to ask for your response here. And I'm sure in this time, I'm sure you'll give me the right name the first time. You gave me the right name the last time, too. I'm, it's just, uh, just what I was thinking. But I want you to, to answer me this question. Who calls you out on those waters? Okay. And Jesus. And Jesus. All right. God, Jesus. I mean, it's kind of hard to separate the two anyway. So let's just say, you say God, I say Jesus. That's fine. But I want, I want to hear, let, let's just say Jesus for the sake of the argument here as we all end, okay? Who calls you out on those waters this morning? Jesus. Who makes your faith stronger in those deep waters? Jesus. Whose name do you call every day? Jesus. Who do you embrace when you rest? Jesus. Who embraces you in his rest? <laughs> you guys are really slowing down here. Come on. Jesus. It's not that hard. It's one name. Jesus. Let's try that again. Who embraces you? Jesus. Okay, good. Who guides you? Jesus. There you go. Who never fails you? Jesus. Who? Jesus. There you go. I want you this week to let God, Jesus, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives in you and works in you, I want you to let Him work in you this week. I want you to let Jesus guide you in those deep waters. I want you to let him embrace you. And I want you to let his spirit produce that faithfulness in you so that when people see you, they see a man, a woman who is guided and led by that Holy Spirit into those deep waters and knows that it is Jesus who has them. Do that this week.